Hey, fam bros, this is Tatiana King-Jones. We have an awesome episode up ahead for you. But remember, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We're everywhere. Holla. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, internets, and welcome to another Fan Bros special delivery. This is Chico Leo, flying high above the skies of Brooklyn in the escape pod, and I am joined on this big Fan Bros evening by DJ Benjamin in the spaceship with Chico Leo, flying co-pilot on this one. How's everybody doing out there on the internets? So I'm assuming everyone like us has uh, plowed through at least most of, if not finished, Daredevil and has seen the first episode of the fifth season of Game of Thrones. Yep. Um, so yeah, let's so we'll talk about Game of Thrones first. Um, there's 42 weeks out of the year where we don't get Game of Thrones. This is the first of uh, the 10 great weeks of 2015, which we will be blessed by Game of Thrones. Um, tonight's episode was called The Wars to Come. And generally on this show, you know, the, the first episode of the season is just, you know, setting the table for what's to come. Um, you know, basically just uh, setting up various themes. We don't even check in with all the characters. But uh, what did you think, TJ Ben? I mean, well, that was my first gripe. I have to say is that we didn't check in with all the characters, and we got a lot of like what happened on last season of Game of Thrones in the beginning with a lot of characters, but then you didn't even see half of them. So that was my first thing that I didn't feel. The second thing that I really wasn't feeling was it was kind of felt like. More soap opera-ish than ever. Just a lot of sadness and a lot of like, oh, I wish this would happen. And, you know, Daenerys not being able to handle her dragons. And I, I don't know. Wow. Was, yeah, I, I was I was really down on this one. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of sadness. At this point, everybody has had, you know, multiple people you know, killed or they've killed people or, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty grim scene up there, uh, in, in, in Westeros and, and I guess in Essos. Um, yeah, I had a more positive, I mean, my, you know, I I've learned so far from watching this show that, you know, the beginning is just a setup and you kind of have no idea of what's, what's to come. But the fact that the whole game of Thrones is becoming more and more global, um, I thought it was dope and is leaving room for, you know, sort of more stories. And we're definitely getting away from, you know, the typical dudes in chainmail riding out of a castle with lances and, you know, into all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's definitely witches and they're getting more into the people of Marine and, and the Unsullied and, you know, um, so yeah, and a lot a lot of rulers are are having people, uh, you know, having to deal with uh, little rebellions that they don't want to deal with, uh, including Daenerys. Yeah, um, and that was something that I wasn't so interested in—not Daenerys's rebellion, but the time with the Unsullied and the little relationship that's going on between uh, is it Grey Worm? Yeah, and 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 Messandre. Yeah, that felt just so soap opera. And I mean. 
I don't know. I'm I'm into that. We were, you know, last year they definitely played with that um, as something that's going on. I I can't remember the details, but I'm pretty sure he he's just missing his nuts, but that he has his uh, <laughs> he's got his rod, and uh, it's not clear if it works or not. But um, oh, oh, I don't know. I feel like on the show they they're like the couple that you 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 if you were to root for a couple, it's them. True. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't really think of anyone offhand that other than Yeah, no, this is not the most romantic of shows. And <laughs> no. when people do get romantic, they end up getting their throats cut and their babies cut out of them. So, ah. you know, it seems like going the Aria way and, and, and just cutting all ties and being cold and hard and, you know, learning to uh, become an assassin is the right move. Definitely. Um, or the Hot Pie way. Don't forget about him. He's managed to survive just by baking cakes. Uh, and being a but and being a good baker, absolutely. Yes. So yeah, there was a, a lot a lot of checking in. Mance Raider, who was the king beyond the wall, who had united all the tribes, he had a choice to join Stannis Baratheon's army, um, and he has a thing about not kneeling before any before anyone. All he had to do was kneel and pledge fealty, but um, instead he got burned to death pretty badly. Um, Jon Snow bravely took him, put him out of his misery with an arrow, uh, and that and that was how it ended. But um, you know, at the beginning of this show, or in the first couple of seasons, there were like you know twenty people who had some claim or some whatever on being the king or a king, and most of them seem you know seem to have been killed in the first few seasons, and so they are focusing more on the women, which is dope. Um, I did feel that this episode and it is interesting. Maybe that's why it might've felt a little more, um, you know, a a little more soap opery, not to be, uh, not to be sexist. But if you think about it, the majority of the scenes were either about women and actually two different eunuchs with Varys, the spider and, uh, and, and Grey Worm. So yeah, there was actually probably a little less testosterone in this episode. Oh, Um, man. No, that, so I, I I don't know. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to to things to come. An interesting thing is going on beyond behind the scenes in that they're catching up to George R. R. Martin's books, and more and more what we see is going to be, uh, you know, the showrunners' visions and not George R. R. Martin's. I mean, obviously, I think whoever's sitting on the Game of Thrones or however the show ends is going to be the way the book ends, the books end, as long as George R. R. Martin lives that long. Um, but, you know, they're definitely veering away, and they've said that the fifth season is going to be the most, you know, veered away so far from the books, and it will continue then through, I believe they've said it's going to run till seventh season, which is definitely means that uh, it's going to be over, the TV show will be over before George R. R. Martin's books are, are, are all out. So, um, you know, that that's worked for The Walking Dead. So let's, you know, let's hope it, it works for this. I mean, I have faith in the, in the showrunners. Yeah, definitely. I've got good faith in them. And I'm not saying that the show had, you know, because it had too many women in it this episode. That's why it felt so boppery. And no, I mean, no, no, I know. I, I, I was just commenting on that, putting those two things together. I mean, I, I just, it did feel like, you know, there's just most, a lot of the male characters have been killed. Definitely. And there are a lot of dope women characters, and they just aren't killing as many. No, no, I mean, they still get theirs too, but. 
Yes, no, that's true. But no, I was more just commenting on the fact that everyone is mopey. And I do know that what they have taken from the books in this season, they say that these books are the darkest and most depressing of any of the books, which is really tougher to me imagine as not a book reader because the show has been so dark and depressing throughout its course that it's tough for it, you know, to get any worse. But I do have to say there were some moments in this episode that I did love. As always, Tyrion delivers one of the best lines of the show with, um, can I drink myself to death on the way? Yep. Because, you know, that that's all that really matters to him at this point. And I like Tyrion desperate you know, depressed Tyrion. It, it's it's a real change for him. So that was definitely interesting. And as always, man, the dragons. Yeah. Great. I, I agree completely. I mean, the dragons are really dope. And now that they're full, full-grown full dragons that Daenerys herself can't control. I mean, one of them has been, you know, away for, for weeks. Um, so she's having trouble controlling her population or, or you know, members of her population is having control... Uh, having trouble controlling her dragons but i mean the good news is her squad is about to get a lot deeper uh with Tyrion and Varys having decided it seems to throw in with her and put their you know backing for her being the uh the ruler you know for her to sit on the on the iron throne and how did you feel about Tyrion in this episode just in terms of i mean i agree with you i mean he has every reason to be mopey he killed the love of his life and then he killed his father um, he knows that Cersei's gonna, you know, look for him wherever or whenever, you know, that, that he can't hide. Um, you know, he, he had every reason to be, uh, to, and, and riding in that crate and stuffing your shit through those little holes doesn't sound, uh, <laughs> doesn't sound that dope. Like, yeah, not, not so chill, but, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was really good. Um, you know, he's got a beard now. And um, he's probably going to have some dope clothes that are uh, fitting the new eastern lands that he finds himself <laughs> in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I and I, I I think that that starting to intermix the characters back and forth. And, and, and like I said, the, the war, it seems more global with like Stannis trying to team up with the Wildings and now Varys and, um, you know, Tyrion going over to... Uh, to Daenerys's camp, and we don't even know where Littlefinger and uh, what's her face are going. Arya's sister, no, um, not Sasha. What's her name? Uh, Anza. No, Sansa. Yes, yeah, exactly. Sansa, not Anza. So Sansa and um, Littlefinger are off somewhere. Brienne of Tarth has some big decisions to make. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does seem like a lot of people are at a low point, but... Um, Brienne you know, needs things to are... go join up with Daenerys. Since she's looking for a king or a queen or a lord to serve who's still, you know, righteous or, or whatever, you know, she needs to find her way over there. And, you know, they make a mean-ass squad right there, boy. It's true because she wouldn't go with Stannis because Stannis and the Red Lady killed... Her original, Renly, her original yep. master. So she, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's sort of quickly becoming, I mean, Stannis and and uh, um, Daenerys seem to be the two most powerful, um, although there's a lot of people standing in their way, and I wouldn't give up on, you know, the Lannisters and the Tyrells who are, you know, in King's Landing fighting over, you know, over that. So at this point, um, Cersei is the mother of the king. Her son, Tommen, is king. 
And has he already married um, the Terrell, you know, uh, girl, or is he is he just engaged to her? He's just engaged. You know, every time right. there's a wedding in this world, something big happens. Right, so. something bad happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so the Terrells are still hoping that you know if they can get you know that marriage to happen, as well as the one of uh, Loris to marry Cersei, although that doesn't look like that's happening anytime soon. Then they'll have the upper hand in King's Landing, and they're more well liked by the people than the Lannisters. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, that you know, it, it is a soap opera show, <laughs> yeah. but I think we're gonna see more action, more dragons, you know, because there's only there's only ten weeks of Game of Thrones a year, so we we've definitely got to savor it, and they can they're gonna only you know dole out the. Uh, the dopeness in, in handfuls. Most definitely. And like I said, I wasn't like, you know, all over like, oh my God, this is terrible. But it, like I said, the say the table setting part of it this time was kind of, when because I want to see more of the table setting in Dorne. You know, I want right. to see what, what we're going to see next episode, you know, the reaction to Oberyn's death by his father, you know, all that. So that's what I'm waiting on, so. I'm still hype as usual. Don't don't get it twisted, folks. Like you know, it's just you know, I'm just a little tempered because, like I say, like you say, there's only ten weeks, so let's get to it, HBO. Right. Well, only six days till the next episode, and you see all of that. Yep. So also this week, the big big news was um, Daredevil uh, got released at 12:01 a.m. on a Friday morning. A minute after midnight. Now, an interesting thing is they actually released it twelve oh one Pacific time for West Coast, you know, West Coast time, and that's the first time Netflix did that. So you had to actually wait wait till three oh one in the morning on the East Coast to watch Daredevil, um, or you could just get up early on Friday and, and <laughs> like not go to work and, and right and watch it all day Friday and and into Saturday. Um, I. So this was the first of a partnership between Marvel and Netflix that they're doing. Is it four miniseries that's going to lead into the Defenders? Yes, it's going to be four miniseries. It's first Daredevil. Then later on this year in December, you'll get uh, Jessica Jones. Then Luke Cage will follow up, I think, in the same time frame as Daredevil this year. And then Iron Fist to close it out. And then a Defenders the year after that. Right. So the Daredevil is the first one and um, they definitely, you know, they've so far in in the TV space, Marvel has had uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which started out a little rocky, but according to everyone has gotten, you know, much better. And um, Agent Carter. I did watch Agent Carter. I thought Agent Carter was really, 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 really dope. Um, I was really, really impressed with Daredevil. Um, The... You know, and it's leading me to you know believe that I'm going to be impressed with all of the subsequent ones as well. The uh, they they really captured the the Daredevil comic. The casting was just off the charts. Um, you know, Von D. Curtis Hall as uh, Ben Urich was you know, was extraordinary. Ben Urich and the Kingpin are two of the dopest people in the Daredevil mythos. Uh, and Kingpin's also in the Spider-Man mythos, but um, wow. Vincent D'Onofrio oh, killed it. Oh, I mean, hold up. I, I, uh, that's a big one to give such a props to Ben Urich. Like, Well, he, he, I mean, he actually, so in the comic, 
he's really um, almost like, you know, one one of Daredevil's confessors. You know, he know. I think he knew, well, at least in the, in the 80s, I think he knew who Daredevil was and Daredevil would go back and forth and, 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 and deal with him, get information from him, give him information for his articles. He's sort of the, the lowest lane of the, of the daily bugle. Now in this, they couldn't use the daily bugle and they, they, they named some off brand paper, but yeah, in the Marvel universe, he and Peter Parker work for the same newspaper and his, just his world weariness, and his, you know, sort of he's seen everything, but he's still ready to fight the good fight. I mean, he's definitely, you know, I mean, he's a supporting non-superhero character. But I thought Von D. Curtis Hall's performance was off the charts. And just he was cast really well. Um, Let me say and something in the, about in that. In the comic, too. Ben Urich's white. But that, I mean, that doesn't matter. But I just thought he got the the essence of it. And I also thought the casting of Vincent D'Onofrio was incredible. Like, I definitely felt like I was watching The Kingpin. Most definitely. And we'll get to The Kingpin in a second. But I really had to say something about that. Like you said, Ben Urich in the comics is white. And it's amazing to me how when a character like Ben Urich, who's not really a main character, is, you know, cast as black, it's not this huge uproar when... You know, but if uh, someone like a Johnny Storm is cast as black, it becomes this huge problem of explaining it. Why is he black? Oh my God, you're changing the comics, ruining my childhood, et cetera, et cetera. Like even uh, today or recently, Yafet Koto, you know, who I love, but he's now saying that black actors shouldn't play James Bond. They can be 006, but they can't be 007. Right, and I, I mean, I think I agree with you. I, I think Yafikoto is really dope. I think he's 100% wrong on that. I would. The only thing I can say about, you know, like the Ben Yurik thing is that only, you know, fanboys or fan, you know, girls uh, will know who Ben Yurik is. And I feel like those aren't necessary. Well, maybe those are the people that are making a big stink. I don't know. Did people make a big stink when in the Daredevil movie the Kingpin was black? Um, no, because once again, for villains and minor characters, it doesn't matter. That's true. Them. But a hero. No, it's. I mean, you're right. I mean, and it's 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 worth commenting on. Um, I think though the dude, you know, the dude they cast literally captured, and they also, I mean, look, I think the casting across the boards was really good. I think Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil, Ooh. is really good. People might remember him. He did a couple of seasons on um, Boardwalk Empire. He was Nucky's like Irish right hand man who ended up having an affair with uh, with Nucky's wife, yeah. and then he ended up in a box with his throat cut. Ouch. He's also in the Stephen Hawking movie. Where he plays, uh, he steals Stephen Hawking's first wife. So, so far he's Ooh. been the side piece, like you know, constantly. But now right. he's the leading man as Daredevil, and yeah, I thought he did a kick-ass job. Yeah, he he really was great. But I, I also like the dude who played Foggy, uh, yes. Daredevil's partner. I mean, that was Foggy from the comic. Like it was incredible. Um, and he looked like him, and he sounded like him, and he acted like him, and. Um, you know the dude who played Stick. Um, who was that? You know he was the, he was one of the sub commanders. That's Scott in, Glenn, uh, isn't it? Yeah, Scott Glenn in Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Um, Come on, man. Scott he was Glenn. he was incredible. He, the woman who played Madame Gao. I mean, like the the uh, the support the, the the casting on these things is really 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 remarkable. Um, props to you know everyone behind the scenes over there. So the 
the series was um, showrun or created by Drew Goddard, who did direct one of one of Ben Amin's favorite movies from a couple of years ago, The Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, definitely yes. one of my favorite movies recently. Right, one of my favorite horror movies, and I love it because it has it. It was so many genres in one movie. And I think that might be, you know, why he's doing such a great job with Daredevil because he handles the comedy, he handles the the action. I mean, we gotta yeah. talk about that. Some of these fight scenes, man. Fight scenes are off the charts. I mean, they're really, you know, sort of gritty Hong Kong, you know, like dirty hallways and rooftops. A shout and, you out know, to old boy to the original old boy in the second episode i'm not giving any way any more than that but the shout out to old boy in the second episode, definitely an homage yes who was so well done and so beautiful um there was like i felt a shout out to the wire in the first episode at the end when they're showing the crime bosses and what they're doing it felt like the moment from the wire when you know the end of a season when they'd be yes absolutely with a montage, I just I was so impressed by all the influences that they were using, and then having its own feel and it being so different than any Marvel movie, but still feeling so well connected, like part of this bigger universe that you say with Ben Urich, who like you, I also commend an amazing job. The Kingpin, man, it's. It's just really incredible. I was really so stunned. Like, from the very first moment I turned on the first episode, I was one of those fiends who was up at 3 in the morning watching the first episode. And I'm just like, this doesn't feel like any movie they've done so far. It feels completely different. And yet they're they're able to to situate it in the same universe by having references to the big battle at the end of the Avengers and there's just shout, shout outs and like Easter eggs, you know, here and there. And and you're totally right because it's a superhero uh, thing, but it's also very much like a crime, you know, almost, you know, cops and robbers genre thing. And, um, you know, I wonder, I mean, the, the cinematography was it deserves a shout out because it was so sort of dark and gloomy, which is very much like the, the Daredevil comic. Um and I just thought across the boards they were able to, you know, to to take the vibe of the comic and do a really good show. I mean, it's very much the opposite of The Flash, but they achieved sort of what, like, you know, what they achieved on The Flash TV yes. show where they, you know, they, except they're just the opposite vibe. The other thing that's worth talking about is it's got more religion in it than any comic book thing Um you know, his Catholicism is a major part and a lot of, you know, Catholic thematic stuff. And you don't see that in comics. Most comic characters are either like atheist or agnostic or it's not addressed. I mean, you even have characters like Thor or Storm who actually are gods. But or even Wonder Woman, you know, something like that where mythology plays a major part. But normally among normal you know, um, people who become superheroes, it's just never, it's a, it's a dimension that's never explored. And it's very much a big, important part of Daredevil, you know, the show and the character. Well, I think that's always been a part of his character from the comics. So, because I mean, he, as he's named, you know, part of his name is devil. So he has right. that while he's a Catholic, you know, so he has that reflection and always him you know, striving to do good, but Daredevil always walk in the line. Like, he's never been... He's even worse off than Batman, maybe, because he has 
you know, his dips into the dark side are even deeper than pretty much Batman has gone. Like, Daredevil has definitely completely gone off the rails at times in his history. And they're just... Yeah, Daredevil goes off the rails quite a few times here. Um, I was actually reminded of the Fambros interview with Juno Diaz, where Juno Diaz sort of used um, Daredevil beating on Turk as an example of sort of fascism and, you know, sort of, you know, some of the seamier thematic sides of comics. And there's an actual scene in a later episode where Daredevil is beating on Turk and Turk (laughs) says, why are you beating on me? And I just wondered if they actually heard that episode of Fambros were like, yo, we got to put a reference to that in there because, you know. Know, it's Juno, Juno Diaz commenting and you know but um yeah I mean Turk is another character from the comics I mean they really to do such an incredible job and they also in in the comics there's an extraordinary storyline where the kingpin's wife disappears um and his his whole weakness being Vanessa that whole side of him was really uh really really explored well in this they did a whole Daredevil thing without even there was one reference to Elektra um, when uh, at one point, but they didn't even bring in, which is you know the most famous of the Daredevil storylines. So I'm definitely hoping that uh, that that they come back with with another Daredevil and with another Agent Carter. Um, and at this point, I mean, the only real problem is, yo, how do you go back to watching some of these other shows? Because they really set the bar. Uh, you know, they raised the bar with Daredevil, I think. Yeah, true indeed. I, I definitely, you know, fully 100% agree. Uh, I also, like you say, real quick, I want to give a shout out to Vincent D'Onofrio. Because yeah. the Kingpin, the way he has controlled rage and also this sadness and it's like regret. He's like Tony Soprano turned, you know, all the way up to 10. And it's just, you know, crazy to see Vincent, you know, playing that role like that. And like you say, just incredible casting all around, incredible universe building. I, too, am hoping for more Daredevil. But I also gives me so much more faith in Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, which I wasn't as much as I, I'm a huge fan, especially of Iron Fist and Luke Cage. But I just wasn't sure how they were going to do it. And now, like, once again, with Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm reminded that Marvel is really just saying we can do anything we want at this point. You know, we can tackle this genre. We can tackle that genre. So I'm sure Jessica Jones is going to be a different show than Daredevil, but still great in its own right. So I'm, I'm amped, you know, as usual, Marvel, take my money. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm ready for them to put out another one of those you know calendars like they did with the movies where <laughs> yeah. they they mapped out like for the next ten years. I'd like to see the next ten years of TV series because one of the things about I mean this was definitely meant to be binge watched, not to be watched over thirteen weeks, and the whole TV you know episodic nature of TV and the the amount of time allows you to 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 get a lot of the scope of these comic book. Uh, you know, uh, storylines in a way that the movies don't. Yes, the movies can give you bigger budget, badder, you know, um, you know, space battles and aliens invading New York and all that. But to, to be able to sit down and have the the breadth of 13 hours with, you know, all the characters having a, an arc um i just i'm 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 definitely i mean i'm with you and i'm ready for for marvel to double down and uh you know literally map out the next 10 years of of netflix miniseries 
Word up. Well, we're going to get two a year, you know, it seems from here on out. So, you know, maybe it'll move up to three, but it seems like two a year for their movies and TV. Right. And, yep. And that, I mean, that puts it as, uh, as, as there's going to be more Marvel stuff than Game of Thrones. Definitely. Plus, you got, um, you know, like you said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they're really giving you a lot of content, you know, across a lot of aspects. And they just announced that there's going to be an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. spinoff. So there you go. Right, and you could even argue that Agent Carter. I mean, it's really more of a Captain America spinoff, but you could say that it's an agent of Agents of Shield prequel. So yep. they might have an entire you know Law and Order fran- type franchise with Agents of Shield on their hand. Wow! So that's it for this week on Fanbro's special delivery. Uh, we got actually a very big week uh, coming up, and uh, today Monday, as you're listening to this, Fanbro's is going to be doing a live stream at 4 p.m. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the new movie Ex Machina with uh, Mashable Flicks. And uh, you, you should definitely go to fanbros.com or at Fanbros Show uh, to find out exactly where you can watch the live stream. Uh, but that's a, a really dope new uh, sci-fi movie out by uh, the writer of 28 Days Later and Sunshine, two, two of the better sci-fi movies of the last decade. And this is his first directorial effort. He also wrote it. Um, and we'll be talking about that with the the good folks of Mashable Flicks on Monday at 4. Most definitely. Definitely dope. I really enjoyed the movie. But, you know, we'll get all into that and all the politics and weirdness and, you know, AI and all that other crazy stuff that was going on in that flick because there's a lot of that in it. Definitely a dope sci-fi joint. Check it out when you get a chance. Also, like we say, you know, keep up with Game of Thrones. Check out Daredevil. Hit us. Let us know what you think. Please, no spoilers. You know, some of us haven't finished it all yet. So show love to the fan bro show. But, you know, let us know what you think. Definitely because we are loving it. Props to Marvel. Impressive. Just such a great job all around. All right, I guess that's it. Peace. Peace. Word up.